now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. See, a United States Astro Robot becomes a creature of death. And these. We have come here to this planet for one purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast from Class to Colts and the Cheese in Between. The movies are beeb, the entertainment is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jackanetti, and I'm joined once again by my dad, Mr. Al Jackanetti. Hey, good morning, Jay. Uh, today we uh, venture back to the 50s for another monster movie, but there are no big bugs. What you have is the monolith monsters. And we'll get to it right after this. <laughs> You gotta believe me. You're gonna think I'm blind. Rocks, Joe? Towers of rock crashing down and then growing up again? Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps a part of the process is the absorption of silica, taking it right out of whatever it comes into contact with. Like human beings? Just like Ben. Bodies are turned to stone. What was this amazing power that could turn people into stone? That could suddenly turn inanimate rocks, stones, monoliths into growing, spreading, expanding monsters, threatening to engulf whole towns and cities, to bury all civilization under an immensity of weight beyond all calculation? The natural slope of the valley floor is bringing them right down here. And once they break through to the other side of the mountains, there'll be no stopping them ever. Look, all we're asking you to do is save her life. I can't cope with something I don't even understand. Ready! Hit it, now!
Battle of Monsters was released December 18, 1957, less the L.A. premiere, and then it debuted uh, nationwide soon after that with a 77-minute running time. Your director is John Sherwood, uh, with a screenplay by Norman Jolly and Robert Fresco. Fresco, excuse me. Um, and your stories by Jack Arnold and Robert Fresco. Now, uh, when you watch Monolith Monsters, it reminds you of a Jack Arnold movie right away because right it's away. very science. Yeah. It's all about science. Uh, your producer was Howard Christie with your distribution done by Universal Pictures. Uh, your stars here are Grant Williams, which, of course, we know from uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man. Right? I mean, right. that's where he's most known from. Uh, Lola Albright. Uh, and Lola Albright, um, who passed away in 2017, uh, was known for being on three seasons of TV's Peter Gunn. Um, uh, and then uh, she made other movies, too. But it was uh, a lot of... She had some comedies and stuff like that. But it, she, was, she did a lot on uh, television. Uh, and then later on, she did some films in the late 60s and stuff. But it was, it was mostly television. Uh, and then you have Les Tremaine... And Les Tremaine, uh, of course, um, is uh, a British actor, um, and then he passed away in uh, 2003. And he's known for his radio work um, and then being, um, you know, in like the Angry Red Planet, the, he's in the War of the Worlds, North by Northwest, the Monster Pages Blanca, stuff like that we would hear. Right. He also uh, appeared uh, in many uh, on Broadway um, in the detective story for, that ran for two years, and then Heads or Tails, and then he was on television as well. Yeah, when you see the movie and you see him, if you've watched all the other movies that we've reviewed, he pops up as uh, like the third or fourth build person. Mm -hmm. But he's, his face is very familiar. Yeah, your narrator is Paul Fries. I want to mention that. Um, he was known for his work at MGM, uh, Ranklin Bass, and Disney. Uh, but he's also known as the voice of Boris Bad Badnov Bad Badinov in the Rock in Rocky and Bullwinkle, um, and he was uh, in, in, in he was often the narrator on a lot of things. He did a lot of voices and stuff like that. All right, so um, let's get so our story opens. All right, so we have the uh, the opening narration, which goes on. I mean, the opening narration is not short. Like oh. it's not no, it's not it's not a little quick like no, hitter. It's, it's, it's a it's a science class. Yeah. Um, and it goes on uh, in talking about um, space and substances and like, and it's, it's, it just, and not to say it's weird, but it, in, instead of being like something where it's like two or three sentences and then like they hit you with it, it literally goes on. It's a paragraph and a half yeah. um, talking about meteors coming in and how they burn up. And like, it's, it's just to kind of give you the background of what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's that, that narration could be appropriate in today. Yeah, because it's exactly what uh, what happens. Yeah, so uh, we uh, we start in okay. So in the desert outside of San Angelo, California, a huge meteorite crashes and explodes, scattering hundreds of pieces of black fragment all over a wide area. The next day, federal ge geologist Ben Gil uh, Gil Gilbert, who is played by Phil Harvey, uh, brings one of the fragments to his office, where he and local newspaper man uh, Martin uh, Cochran, which is Les Tremaine, examine it. Uh, that night, a strong wind blows over a full container of water onto the black rock. Well, it's full, yeah, it's a full container of water on the black rock, and you have a strange reaction. Okay, so they pick up the black rock, right? And it clearly stands out as being different because everything in the desert's like it's a desert, so it's like you know white or it appears white, black and white movie, but it's all beiges and you know light colors, and they stand out as being very different with the uh, being black. Um, it also appears shiny. You know, so it stands out as being the, the dull color of everything else in the desert. 
Um, and then he brings it back and he's not sure what he's looking at. Right. And, you know, it's funny because the, the, I mean, he's, he's a geologist. This is like what he does and he has no clue what he's even looking at. So, well, he said, it's, it's, he says, I've never seen this before. And, uh, the, um, uh, the, the rocks, like they almost look like, uh, busted bowling balls. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's. They're very smooth. They're very. I yeah. mean, they have sharp edges, but they're. But there's. It's not. It doesn't look like a regular rock, which has no, dents it, and dents. It's yeah. very like yeah. They fragment. So, um, when Dave uh, Miller, who's Grant Williams, the head of the San Angelo District Geology Office, returns from a business trip, he finds Ben's corpse is rock hard in a, a petrified state in the office lab, damaged by a large rock uh, by rock fragments. Okay, right, so he comes in. Oh, so that night, Ben gets up, and then he gets. Uh, we don't actually know what happens to him. You just got to know there's something there. I mean, there's a lot of wind and whatever, and you see the rock bubbling, but like you don't know what's actually occurring to him during that time. We don't know yet that the rock is growing because it's getting wet. Yeah, there was a, there was a plot exposition really early on. Went out any voiceover that uh, oh, shows yeah. that, the, drifts, yeah. that the uh, the rock likes water. Yeah, because when he when he puts the water into the radiator, it drips on it right. and it starts. It starts it's growing, the, but it's not growing exponentially. It's just it's just starting to bubble and bubble up, change right. up. So, um, where are we? Dave's girlfriend, the teacher Kathy Bar uh, Barrett, who's Lola Albright, takes her students on a desert field trip. Um, so before we get to that, so like I know that's a big car. There's a lot of children in that well, car. There's, there's not. I, I counted them. There's nine kids in the car plus her. And plus, and no seatbelts. Yeah. But again, if you if you I, it, you wouldn't remember this, but I do. Station wagons in the fifties were they were like motorhomes, but not as but not as as elaborate. Right. The the, the back trunk. My this is an aside. My uncle had a big station wagon, and when the lights went out in in New York in nineteen sixty five, mm -hmm. my father was stuck at Penn Station. And we lived in the North Bronx. And so my uncle had wanted to go pick him up. So my cousin and I were in the car. And we were laying down in the back, and looking at, again, you, nobody wore seatbelts. And my, my uncle drove down to Penn Station, picked up my father, and we came back. So I I can relate to having a huge station wagon in the, in the movie. Yeah. So on the trip, young Ginny uh, Simpson picks up uh, a piece of the black meteorite. Um, and brings it home. She's later. She later washes it in a large tub outside and leaves it in the water. Um, in town, Doctor uh, Reynolds, uh, who's played by Harry Cutting, performs Ben's autopsy and can't explain the body's condition. And informing Dave and the police chief, Dave Corey, which is William Flaherty, uh, that the body is being sent to a specialist. Okay, so um, so Ginny brings the rock home. Her mom says, "Don't bring that dirty rock in my house." So she starts washing it off in the the base of the the sink tub, whatever you want to call it outside, and then she drops it in. But it goes dunk right to the bottom, right? So um, knowing now that there's going to be some kind of reaction because we have kind of seen a little of this, we don't know what's really going to happen. When they go back to the um, when they go back for the autopsy, he's appeared to be made of stone. Whereas, but it's it turns out that it's. Um, they're, they're looking at it, but he's not stone. He's actually just, his skin has been calcified. He's been not calcified right. per se, but like hardened. There's no elasticity to his thing, which is now why he can't breathe. And he wound up, and again, that's, we, we, we now learn that this, the idea that like, well, once your skin can't move, you can't, you, nothing else can move. You're going to have a real hard time breathing, real hard time doing anything. And he winds up dying from it. Um, 
which is actually uh, medically not correct. If you lose all your cilia, like the the uh, um, stuff in your body, you wouldn't die like that. But it doesn't matter. It works real well for the movie. Um, Martin returns to the wrecked office uh, with Dave as he recognizes the large fragments of the same type of black rock that Ben had been examining. Okay. So Kathy joins them and also recognizes the fragments. She goes with the two men to the Simpson farm where they find the farmhouse in ruins under a large pile of black rocks and Ginny's parents dead. The girl's still alive, but in a catatonic state. Uh, the girl's still alive, but in a catatonic state. So we go there. That scene reminds me of them. And this is 57, so them is, is out already. Yeah, I mean, but it's but them was really influential. So the girl is in a catatonic state, very much like the girl in the beginning of them. Um, obviously, the girl in them doesn't turn to start turning the stone. But, like, you know, the two parents are dead. Um, it's just, you can see the house has been destroyed. Um, like, it was caved in, you know, by the, the rocks and stuff. Uh, and it's... Again, I mean, this is 1957, so they're not showing like blood and guts and gore. There's mm-hmm. none of that stuff. The pa- I mean, you just well, you see the parents are there, and they say, "Well, they're dead." Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, but there is no, there shouldn't be any blood because the people aren't being dismembered. They're they're just being. Yeah, but if you were crushed by something, you could be. You oh know, yeah. You could well, have your like. Well, that was that. It was a quick. It was a quick shot of the uh, either the mother or the father. Right. But, on the ground. Yeah, but they're not all like you don't you don't oh, see no, them all no. smashed yeah. up or anything. Yeah. Uh, so. Sorry, guys. The uh, um, where are we here? So, at Dr. Reynolds' request, um, they rush her to see Dr. Hendricks at the California Men- Medical um, Institute in Los Angeles because uh, they they know that whatever is happening here, they it's beyond the scope of what they do. Uh, he later reports that Ginny is slowly turning to stone, and her only hope lies in identifying the black black rock within eight hours. So Dave brings a fragment to his old college professor, uh, which is uh, Dr. Flanders, who's Trevor uh, Bardet, uh, who determines that it's from a from a meteorite. Okay, so they start looking at this, and they're looking at you know again, it's looking at a lot of rocks. This this is what makes I think makes this movie different. There's no creature, there's no monster, right. there's no tarantula that escapes, there's no radiation that hits somebody and makes them shrink. There's no there's nothing. Yeah, like the whole movie's nothing. This is a thinking movie. Yeah. Which is why it's on the same disc with uh, Incredible Shrinking Man. Again, both having Grant Williams, which Grant is why they're together. Um, the the thing is with this movie is that people people would say, well, well, there's no monster here. How could this even? Be? But this is science fiction. This isn't horror. This is science fiction. It's it's the idea that like there's a lot of science here. It doesn't. Not all science fiction movies have to have you know an alien and a creature and a monster. They're not all you know uh, you know uh, it's terror from beyond space where they're fighting against right. something. No, I found this movie. Uh, that the dialogue was very well mm-hmm. written, and it makes sense with the story. Yep. I mean, it's everything progresses logically. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, uh, that that caught my eye here, because when I was young, a lot of lot of kids that uh, got uh, were that were hurt. Uh, there's an iron lung yep. in this movie, and the girl is is put in the iron lung, and it looks like a huge tube um, uh, on a on a platform uh, with only the head sticking out. That was what they they treated a lot of people. If you went into an iron lung, that was you were considered to be almost yeah. on death's bed. Yeah, and it's very it's very telling. It's very telling of the times. I mean, we don't see iron lung. An iron lung now they still exist. They don't look like that. I mean, anymore. it would be in a museum. 
Right, that that piece is very yeah. old, yeah. but at the time that was cutting edge technology, yeah. um, with the with the pump underneath and everything. I mean, nowadays if you're in that, it looks very different. They have different things attached to you that will help you breathe instead of having you in a giant thing that's literally pumping, pumping air you. into you. Um, uh, where are we? Back at the Simpson farm, both men notice a discoloration in the ground. The black rock is draining something from everything it touches, including uh, people. Later, tests showed that silicone is that substance. In humans, it's normally just a trace element. So what's happening is now they, they go back and they look and they notice that the sand or the, 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 the sand, the, or the, the, the dirt that was just dirt is there. And then the dirt where the rock is, is now discolored and it's lifeless. It has nothing left in it. So what's happened is it's taken all the silicone or the silicate out of the, out of everything. And it makes so much sense because it's just drawing it out. But since there's no, uh, there's no conduit for it to get there. It can't just draw it out until there's some water, which is what makes the conduit for allowing it to draw yeah. out. Well, at this yeah. point, they still don't. Know. They don't know that yet. They don't they, know that yeah. yet. But we, as 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 a viewer, we, we have more we, information than right, the, than that. Seen it. We and, know that they need water. Then, and, so, and at this point, the the the, the geologist and the doctor mm-hmm. are they're stumped, and it what yeah. makes it tick? Yeah. Right. So later tests show that um, the strand. Dr. Reynolds explains that research indicates that one possible function of silicone in the human body is to maintain human tissue flexibility, which is why they get so hard when you take it all out. Um, they suddenly realize that the meteorite's absorption of silicone was the cause of Ben's death and Ginny's condition and the death of her parents. Also, they got crushed. Um, I mean, let's face it, the whole house fell on them. So, you know. Uh, Steve then prepare, uh, prepares and administers a silicone solution injection to the girl. So the doctor um, is now going to give her an injection that turns out to actually work. So he puts silicone and a couple other things in a in a uh, you know a saline solution and then gives her the injection. And we see again more stuff we wouldn't see nowadays. I mean, you see it with I shouldn't say that. So if you most people probably have never seen this in a NICU and the the incubators that they have the babies in. Um, they have a place where you put your hands in and you work. It kind of like you see it in science movies and stuff, but like in a medical facility, you don't always see this. But it has this the hand holes they put in and, it, and it, you put his hand base in the gloves to give her the injection. So they close a door and open a door and you don't show you all that, but that's what's happening. Yeah. Well, I, just before this, the um, the the uh, geologist and the science and the and the the doctor. Are sitting around a table. No, trying. not yet. Not yet. They didn't get there yet. They didn't get. They there didn't yet. get there yet. Because now they. So it oh, works. Right. Once it works, they take the form. Now it's happening. Returning to the desert, Dave and Arthur trace the fragments to the crashed meteor. Arthur deduces that the meteor's atomic structure has been uh, radically altered by the intense heat of the atmospheric friction. So the meteor itself wasn't like this, but since it was heated up, so it was so so greatly heated coming right, through, through. It became like this. Uh, and back in the lab, a rainstorm blows while Dave and Arthur continue their investigation. Uh, the pieces of black rock, so they're trying everything. So they're trying every little piece of the formula. Then they're trying combinations of the pieces, and nothing's working. And finally, when the when the professor hits the rock, a piece falls into the sink, and Dave pours out the coffee because it's he wants to make a fresh pot. And all of a sudden, the sink starts smoking, right, and that's when they notice that... He said, what did you put on there? He goes, just the coffee. He goes, well, what's coffee? It's just water, flavoring. And then they, then they try adding water to it, and they see that this is the water that activates the rock. The problem is, as an audience, we already know this. And you're just like, because they're literally drinking coffee next to the rock. Right. You're like, oh, my God. It's like, and, and that's so frustrating. That's right. But that's what Alfred Hitchcock would always do. He would give you more information than the people. in the So you would get, you would yell at them kind of thing. It builds your, exactly. it, it builds your anticipation of what they're doing. Right. And as, and as the audience, 
knowing more than the people, what happens? A thunderclap outside. Right. It's, it's and you're, oh my God, it's going to yeah. rain. Yeah, it's raining. Yeah. And so now you're like, but they need to know because it's going to rain on that. Like you literally, but that that's why I think, and I think the Monolith Monsters gets a bad rap because this movie yeah. doesn't have a monster. Like you don't have a creature, you don't have a monster, you can't, I mean, there are models of it, there's a model of it, right, which yeah. you have. Right. Um, but the thing is, but this is not exactly like the most thrilling uh, like you can't just say like for Halloween I'm gonna be the monolith monster. Like you could be you know um, the hideous Sunday man. You could be oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure pages belong because like not that anyone ever does those things, but you could be right. That's the thing. There's nothing here. You're not gonna walk around as a bunch of like what are you I'm, like holding up like a straight black piece walking around. You look weird. You know yeah. kind of thing. But that's why I think that's why I think people have overlooked this movie. But this movie is very. On the ball with the science fiction. It's very much in the science fiction world and not in the creature feature world, which is why I think sometimes it gets kind of looked yeah, over. I, yeah, I mean, it's it's not lost. No, no, not lost, I'm saying, but I think people but overlook it, it. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking, if you had, if, well, anyone who's watching um, a, a horror-thon or whatever, uh, and the monolith monsters or um, them... Well, of well, course. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's let me let me, let me monolith monsters or even beginning of the end, which is which is a great, Peter Graves, right? And which is a great Z movie. Yeah, most people and especially children are going to watch beginning of the end. The giant grasshoppers. It's got giant grasshoppers. And you can't drop an atom bomb on Chicago. No. Um, no. But the thing is, like when Svengoolie showed this. They talk about because this was on Svanguli uh, oh. last summer or the summer before, and we're watching. And Haley's like, "There's, where's the monster?" I go, "The monsters are the rocks." She goes, "They're going to turn into monsters." I go, "No, they're the rocks." She goes, "So like they're rock monsters?" Okay. I go, "No, they are the rocks." And she's like, "Oh, I mean, there's no, there's nothing because it says monsters in the title, so right. you think like, oh." Is it like? Is it going to be like Tabunga, which is a tree that turns into a monster? Another that, that's that's um, um oh I forgot the totally name. Blaisdell? No, yeah, yeah, but it's with I forgot the name of that totally blank in the movie. People are probably yelling at their their podcatchers right now at me. Oh, for this. oh uh, um, yeah, I can't think of what it is. Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's uh, the day the world ended. Day the world ended. Yeah, kind of thing. So uh, the like, but that he's a tree, and you're like, but it's like a. Tr- I mean, the monster, and I'm not trying to because again, I've never <laughs> built monsters for movies in the fifties. I understand, but it looks bad. Yeah. Right, kind of thing, right? Well, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying it. But Tabunga, you know. So anyway, um, so now they know the falls in the sink. It begins to react to hot coffee. They realize that water's the culprit. Uh, with a full-blown rainstorm now in progress, they hurriedly return to the desert to see the black fragments now growing into stories-tall monoliths that rise up and then crash back to the earth, breaking to hundreds or more fragments, each fragment then repeating that cycle. So... Not only do you have science, you now have exponential growth, which is math, right? This movie's got math yeah. and science, which is, I think, so the movie this reminds me of with this kind of stuff. Remember the giant the giant claw, which has got yep. a really bad looking monster in it, but like there's so much like math and science about like going on in it. And people are like, yeah, but the monster looks horrible. But the the story's good. Right. Right. And if it had a Harryhausen monster, it'd be an all-time classic. But people look at it like, oh, it's a big turkey because it looks like a giant turkey. Yeah. Right. Well, it's a giant marionette. Um, so I think this this falls in that same kind of category because it doesn't have monster monsters. It has monsters that are rocks. But and and isn't isn't that always the case? Like you you look for what's gonna be the people people always say like well when al- if aliens came they would look like this or like like, like people think they look like the xenomorph from alien and like all the alien right. movies or probably not they probably would look like something you couldn't see to be microscopic they'd be what like, things that 
like the things that often are the worst killers in the world are not the giant monster kind of thing. It's not the great white shark, you know, for, in, in Jaws. Right. It's not jumping up on the beach and killing it's a, you. It's the virus. It's, it's a virus. It's it's the difference between think about in in all the Jaws movies, one through you know revenge, right? Yep. How many people is he? Do all the sharks combined kill? Okay, so you know maybe a dozen, couple dozen people. In the movie Contagion, how many people die like within the first I don't know thirty five minutes? How many major Hollywood start like the, the movie? Like, that was the kind of thing, and I think that's what people kind of now. I mean, obviously we're in a pandemic still. Realize that like it's not always the big bad thing that the 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 other that John Carpenter talked about, right? right. The around the campfire, you tell the story of the other on the outside, the other, you know, the shape. Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, he's the other. They're the outside monster. But what happens? Carpenter's best movie, it, to, to many people, for what the story is, people will say it's a thing. Why? Because it's the inside. And what's the thing? Like, it turns right. into all those things. But what is it? It's a drop of blood that can get into, right. like, eat, every cell is alive. That's probably closer to what's, you know, yeah, if you think it's a scarier when stuff. When the question is, what is it? Yeah. Is, I mean... When you got a big monster state like Godzilla, I mean, you know what it is. Yeah, right. Then, then they try to figure out how to kill how it. How to kill it, right. But how do you kill something you can't see? Yeah. And how do you kill something you don't understand? And how do you kill rocks? And how do you do whatever? Yeah. And that's the whole, like, I think where this movie really captures that. Uh, where are we here? Dave realizes that um, that the monolith's advancing path will take them um, directly towards San Angelo. And from there, the monoliths could spread and possibly threaten all life on Earth. In theory, obviously, they're in a desert. Um, but like it rains in the desert, but it rains real hard for a short amount of time and then it stops. But what happens in the desert, as we know from all our National Geographic, you know, specials when we were kids, everything in the desert sucks up the water. So the sand has water, the cactus has water, everything there desperately takes the water in. So it contains the water. So once one of these things falls, if it lands on something, everything's been trying to pull the water into it. It all has water in it. No matter what, even yeah. you know, That's people see problem. People think of deserts being completely dry. dry and barren. We just can't get the water out of it. If you know how to get the water out of the sand, or how to get the water out of well, people, people know it, a cactus, but like they they suck it all in. That's how those things are able to live. That's why this movie, its science is dead on. Yeah, and it's ne it never gets preposterous. Right. So they report and explain the threat to, to Dan, who then uh, makes a plan to evacuate, that's the, the, the sheriff, um, San Angelo. The governor is notified and declares a state of emergency in San Angelo area. At the hospital, Ginny is fi finally revives and Dave deduces that something in the silicone solution will check the fragment's growth. So something's stopping it from growing and it allowed her to get uh, start getting better. The more locals are soon rushed to Dr. Reynolds' office in various stages of petrification. Uh, with little time left, the, ten, the telephone and electricity are cut out as the monoliths continue to multiply in advance, soaking up the water from the rain-soaked soil. Because, yes, because in the desert, you see, people people don't live in arid areas. Like, we don't live in an arid area. I mean, this, you know, whatever. I mean, when it rains, the ground gets wet and whatever, but eventually it dries up. But the dirt's soft for a couple of days until it dries out. But, like, I mean, at any given day, we might have a rainstorm or snow or whatever. It's not like... It's going to say, okay, we're not going to have rain for the next six months where the plants are desperately hanging right. on to every drop I can get, you know? I mean, that that's what Phoenix is like. I mean, the, the temperatures in Phoenix at, during the summer get up to 110, 115 yeah. degrees. If, I mean, but it's that, a dry heat. And it, oh, dry heat, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it dries everything yes, out. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so 
the, the uh, okay, where are we? Sorry, the rain soaked up. Dave and Arthur uh, struggle to find the correct formula. They finally realize that the monoliths can be stopped by a simple staining solution. And that comes from, uh, um, what's her name? The girlfriend, I forgot her name. Um, Kathy. So she says, well, you know, could it be something as simple? Like, it can't be something as simple as salt water. He goes, well, let's find out, you know. And he tries salt water and it turns out, and, they, and again, what happens? It's not just, oh, the salt works and they run out the door. We have to test it again. And they test it again because the one thing about science and math is, okay, I have a result. Can I replicate that result? Because if you can't replicate that result, then it's an anomaly and anomalies don't work. Like, you know, if something happens one time by accident, what was the accident? What caused it? Because it wasn't what you did. Here, they're replicating it by adding the salt solution. Um Dave's plan is to dynamite the local dam and flood the nearby salt flats, creating a large supply of salt water. Because the dam is private property, however, the sheriff attempts to contact the government for permission to blow up the dam. Knowing they must stop the monolith at the canyon's edge, Dave acts without waiting for the government's approval and, uh, and has the dynamite uh, detonate and causes the dam to break. And at this point, uh, the guy who did the special effects is Clifford Stein, mm-hmm. who at this point... A lot of a lot of the movies he was in, that these that these miniature scenes yeah. are excellent, yeah. absolutely excellent, including showing the water cascading down the from the from the the, the blown up dam. Yeah, usually you can tell when water is not. water doesn't scale. It doesn't scale right. well, but I mean, this looks pretty good. It yeah. does, and and the uh, I think you know why I think he shot it at a larger scale. What, you know, so what, I think the problem is sometimes people are like, well, let's put a let's put a boat in like you know whatever and like have a monster stomp around, and then you're like, wow, that water looks so huge next to that, it doesn't look right, right? You know, but I think when you because there's no people in this shot, like after they blow the dam, there's just just water coming down. I think if you increase the scale at which you're filming, yeah. So instead of doing a miniature, well, so so instead of okay, so instead of going um, one eighth scale, right? And you go to like one fourth scale. One fourth, yeah. I mean, it, it helps. You can see because as the water is cascading down, it's taking out, um, uh, you know, houses or or the farm. The, the the, farm yeah. yeah, but it also takes out the salt. The salt at the salt mines. Yes, and I think that's where because people are like, well, we got to build this thing. But if you go, I, I, again, I don't know the exact scale, right? Kind of thing. I can't tell you it's exactly one sixteenth one or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever but it reads true so the scale must be larger the bigger your scale the more realistic the water is right. going to look but i tell you it, it works really well you know, you know what was funny about this is the, the they're trying to get the governor and so the governor's in his car and he's going but the governor says don't blow the dam well if the governor and this is the governor if he could care less about this one little city what would he care about if it was on, going on a major one but the, the other thing is the dam is only eight million dollars now, I would, yeah, so six million dollars. Six million dollars. Even in even in the fifties, that was a drop in the bucket to build Hoover Dam. I got to. Well, tell but you. it's not Hoover Dam. But this is looks, supposed to be small. I mean, no, looks, I understand. But like, okay, Dad. But in nineteen fifty-seven, yeah. no one six million dollars. People weren't even making no, like. I, I mean, like, think about like what houses cost and whatever. Like, yeah. a house didn't cost you six hundred thousand dollars. No, for a house, eight to ten thousand. Yeah, yeah, right. But I'm saying so. But if a house cost eight, to, let's let's say this big house. $20,000, a huge house, right? Now, $500,000 in New York, it's a fixer-upper. Right, right. I mean, it just it just hit me that he, he, yeah. he was, it was that small. But the, uh, the, 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 main, the main issue with blowing a dam is that the dam was built 
probably to hold back the water for drinking purposes in the area. Once that dam goes, there's it's no, for irrigation. It's yeah, it's for their irrigation. They they, they yeah, say that they, what, they 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 was dammed by the citrus growers so they could right. use it for their irrigation. I mean, once that dam goes. You can you can kiss the rest of that goodbye. Well, but the that, thing that is, whole area is now going to be is now going to be destitute. Well, okay, but your other option is that it destroys well, no, it, it keeps going, it, and if they fell into the dam water, right now they're just going to keep growing and growing and growing because yeah. because when you take when ten shatter into ten, it's an exponential well, exponential growth. Yeah, yeah. so you go from from. 10 to a thousand to a million to a hundred million like it just, it's just the zeros just keep piling up and it doesn't sound like much like well what's the matter like well i'll tell you right now folks think about the money in your bank account tack a zero at the end of that you would definitely want to multiply by a power of 10 well what is that old thing if you, you if you if you put a if you saved a penny well that's doubling yeah. that's that's not that's not exponential growth why well, no yeah, yeah. you say one penny for the first day two penny. If you add a penny every day you no no you don't add a penny every day you double, double the amount double, you put right, down every, right, day. every day that's doubling this is exponential dollars. this is exponential growth okay so this is as this says to me um that's like that's 10 to the zero power is is one 10 to the first power is 10 10 to the second power is 100 Right. Well, you can, and, and so when we start teaching exponential growth and decay, I mean, it's not decay here; it's growth. But we teach exponential growth. I start doing that with kids, and they're like, "So what's the big deal? I'd rather have a bank account that's going to put ten dollars a day in my account." I said, "I'd rather mine grow exponentially." They're like, "Well, what do you mean?" You start showing them, like, "Oh my God!" I'm like, "Yeah, because eventually right. your ten dollars a day ain't nothing compared to the thousands of dollars we could add if we were if we were compounding whatever." So. Uh, folks, this, he's a math teacher. Well, everyone knows that. that that's 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 <laughs> not that's not news. Um, so um, obviously they're laughing now that like now they, they that, so that works. So the monoliths now start getting dissolved and they are falling into the salt water. Um, and then he says, uh, well, uh, what does he say? Martin's earlier assertion that the the salt region flat was Mother Nature's worst mistake. Then pointing out ironically, the near disaster was just proved uh, otherwise. The one issue I have with the end of the movie is that now they're in the salt water. It's gonna rain again, ain't it? Once it starts raining, you gotta have you gotta have every last sliver of this thing all together somewhere. It's like remember the end of the blob when they freeze the blob yeah. and they're gonna take it to Antarctica. Right. You have every sliver of that thing. You have every single sliver, and it's more even more pronounced in, in uh, Chuck Russell's. 88's blob. You have every last piece of that thing because one little piece, that's all you need. Right. And that's over, right? But that's the end. Of, I mean, again, the movie's very on point. And again, it, it doesn't talk about what they're going to do now that they stopped it. They just stopped it from destroying the town. And that's where the movie ends. But there is no sequel, Monolith Monsters 2, you know, uh, you know, red tape, you know, where they now have to like go and find what they're going to do with it. Uh, it, 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 just, it just was an aside. And think about this. I can't think of another movie when literally the entire villain, enemy, whatever, is a chemical reaction. What other movie where it's, mm. it's just a chemical... It's a chemical reaction that someone ingests and it turns them into something. There's nothing. Nothing changes. It's just a chemical reaction between the water and the rock that causes all the problems. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, like I started thinking, like I'm trying to go through. I'm like, okay, there's got to be another... I can't, for the life of me, think of another movie where the only thing that's happening is a chemical reaction... And it's not that the rocks are maliciously trying to do anything. No. They're they're in, they're not nothing's alive there. It's just a chemical reaction is causing this to happen. There's no there's no there's no virus. There's no living organism. There's no bacteria. There's no nothing. 
It's just a chemical reaction, which I think is one of the reasons this movie is unique in that way. It sets itself apart as being different, obviously, but it also, um, as we start seeing, you know, again, it's being very sciencey all the time kind of thing. It makes sense as it goes through because we didn't get bogged down in trying to say, well, you know, uh, what, what, you know, like, like, how does it breathe? How's it, there's nothing to breathe. Like, you know, how, how can an alien breathe on Earth? It doesn't have to. This is a rock. There's no breathing. It's just water. And it just happens that the, as it went through, as we know, in talking about physical and chemical changes, this is sixth grade science here, folks, right? When you apply heat to an object, you, you cause a chemical change to occur. When I take raw meat and cook it, the meat, the, the, the molecules inside change, right? It's not the same anymore. I've changed what's there. When you put... A meteorite, which could be totally innocuous, right, in what's happening, or it could have had who knows what living on it, right, you know, whatever the diseases and whatever, right? I mean, isn't that literally the invasion of the body snatchers? The entire, right. every movie is about what comes down, right? Um, whether it's a plant or a seed or whatever, it's that's basically half of science fiction is what comes from outer space, right? And so the idea is that going through the, the, the atmosphere caused a chemical change, scientifically thing we know happens. We know when meteorites come through, they burn up and they most don't reach the surface of the earth. This was big enough where it's able to land and we don't know, it's not huge, but we've it's been there for a while. But like, it broke apart and it rained and now it grew some and then it rained again and it grew some more. So, you know, this is one of the things, I know they say that like it happened, there was a meteorite and that's why they're out looking for stuff. But it's like, you know, how many other meteorites have ever gotten through and right. could this have been and whatever, you know, I mean, and that's one of the things too, it asked, it kind of poses that question. And I think this is why, and again, like Incredible Shrinking Man's kind of in the same vein. There's no monster in Incredible Shrinking Man. He he does fight the giant spider, which, right. but again, it's- And the cat. And, and the cat, but, right. but I'm saying, but it's it's now a small thing fighting a big thing, right? But they're not, they're not monsters. We I mean, I mean, cats are just giant killing, are just perfect killing machines that you pick up and carry around. Right, that's really what they are, right? Kind of thing. They're just mad because they're so small you can carry them around with you. They just want to be a lion or a tiger. But the idea is that, like in the, in that movie, there's no creature, there's no guy in a suit, there's no whatever. Right. He's he's dealing with real life situations that become unruly. Lighting a match, he has to like drag it across the ground. Like everything becomes crazy and unruly because of what's happening to his he because he's shrinking here. It's trying to figure out. There's nothing. There's no one you can ask. Like there's no. There's no. You know. Yeah. I, you know it's unprecedented. So I mean, with, with this movie here, you you wind up having, uh, it it makes you think. Mm -hmm. And because it's so, it's it follows the science. I mean, really, what very well. The 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 end of the movie is, it, it I think is fine, but we as as. Uh, intellectuals or educated people think about well what happens next right and so what would have happened next i don't know whether they would they would fly in let's say the national guard to go try to pick up all the rocks because you're never going to find all the rocks right. now because the meteor broke up into smaller pieces and when it rained on the on the the remnants of the the mm -hmm. bigger meteor is that the reason why you had the the, yeah, because the, they're bigger the pieces, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if all the other ones just grow to, you know, two feet or three right, feet. Right, but you have to be two to three feet every time it rains, it rains. before it now starts growing exponentially well, what, again. Yes, but what happens when they, 
when it when when the rain stops and they've grown, let's say a foot. So you have to go then go every time it rains, go look and find them. Well, yeah, but but what happens if it doesn't rain again for another three weeks? Then it waits three weeks till it rains again. So yeah, that, it, it doesn't deteriorate. Right? No, it's, it's not. It's not going to get worn away by nature. Right. That's what they were. That's the whole point of it. It's not. It's not going to be. It's going to continue doing what it's it's doing. It's just going to do it at a slower rate because that's what happened. They were growing and then the rain stopped, but it's still sucking up the water from the sand. So it's going much much slower. Right. But that's the whole point. It never stops. The salt doesn't. The salt is is destroying it. But you can't cover the entire desert in salt. I mean, that's what they said. It would take it would take uh, dump it would take an army of dump trucks weeks to pour that much salt in front of them, yeah. which is true. It'd be like fighting a giant slug. Yeah. You know kind of thing. So. Um, the reason why we picked the Monolith Monsters, I mean, it's on Blu-ray, uh, but it also, because this actually finishes up the classic sci-fi Ultimate Collection Volume 1, which featured the Incredible Shrinking Man, Monster on the Campus, the Mole People, and Tarantula, which we've all covered on, we've covered on this show, which now puts a cap on everything in Volume 1, and we finished Volume 2 when we did the Deadly Mantis. Right. Um, so we have now covered all of those movies from that set. Those sets are still available. They're from the best sets out there. A lot of those movies have come out now individually on Blu-ray. Incredible Shrinking Man's uh, Criterion is, is, is amazing. Well, looking. I mean, it, the difference between the, the Blu-ray and the Criterion edition of the movie itself is is minor because they, both of them are pristine. But the, okay, okay, but you're talking about, okay, so let me clarify because people are like, there is no Blu-ray otherwise than that. Oh, there is a Spanish, Spanish Blu-ray in, in English. And with that, that says it's not all region, but shockingly, it is in all region. It says it's in Spanish, but it's actually in English, um, which has been the well, go-to for that movie for years on Blu-ray. The Criterion is the new 4K restoration. It's all right. a new scan. It looks, and I'm not, anything, but going from an old VHS or DVD, you yeah, can see the difference. Yeah. Drastically. I mean, the one thing I found with the, with the Criterion Edition is that there's so much extras on there yeah. that it's if you don't have a copy of it, it's worth buying. Except that the, the Criterion Edition is always twice as much money as as a, as a Blu-ray. Yeah, well, and that's why those of us who, again, sometimes you that's why I don't buy Criterions. It's just like Arrow release. Those who are big Arrow, I mean, yeah, an Arrow release of something. I'm like, okay, I have to kind of weigh it out. Is this a movie I really want? Like, yes, okay. So I'm willing to spend like $24.99 or $27.99 on this movie instead of, is it the only is it only available this way on Blu-ray? Is there another Blu-ray to get and stuff like that? The the one thing about this criterion is the price came down on it quickly. Um, it didn't, like, I mean, I, even my pre-order, I still got it for like $22.99. Right. Yeah. And it's been around that price. It didn't jump back to $70 or something crazy. Um so I mean, so the but the Blu-ray for Monolith Monsters is out, and that's a regular release Blu-ray, um, nice and clean, looks great. I mean, again, I'm not sure what else you need to clean up on these things. As long as you clean it once, it doesn't need to, unless you don't mess up the restoration. Um, so it's available usually in the seventeen to eighteen dollar range kind of thing, just a regular release. Um, so I just want to mention. I know we talked about this, but the Monolith Monsters being part of that set, but Monolith Monsters also showed up in another movie that we covered on here, John Carpenter's They Live. That's what's on the TV. Right. Yeah, they're watching the Monolith Monsters, uh, which is so funny because uh, Carpenter picked that instead of picking The Thing, because The Thing would be too on the nose, I think, because let's face it, that's yeah. like the whole point of it, right? He picked this because this, he always said this is one of his favorite science fiction movies from being a kid because there was a lot of science and it was, uh, think, it was very much a thinking movie. Um, which is uh, par for the course with uh, because even even Howard Hawks is The Thing. Uh, where again. 
it's a it's a it's a vegetable. Like, how does he breathe? Well, vegetables don't have to breathe. That's the whole point. They can't suffocate. They can't whatever. It, it puts a new problem in front of them. And even though the coward hawks is the thing, has its little asides where like you're like okay, with, with between the the general and the reporter and the whatever. Right. Well, but that's the the, the, the dialogue is it, yeah. The, but the movie itself yeah. is spot on. The science makes sense. What they do makes sense. That's why that movie. That, so so I know some people say like, oh, there are these B movies. Like, who cares about these things? That. There are movies in here that are not like them. Them is bigger than the movie itself. That is so influential to uh, you know Daikaiju and like all this stuff. Like that, the giant monster movies we got afterwards. Them is the is literally the most one of the most important giant monster or bug movies, especially ever because of what it influenced. But I'm talking about the movies that people kind of forget about. The Incredible Shrinking Man. and thing. Not that it's not that the people don't regard it, but like Monolith Monsters is even below that. Because people don't even think about this movie. Right. A lot of people might not even have seen this movie. Um, but then you get movies like, and, and again, not trying to you know bash on it, but like Monster on the Campus, which had its science-y stuff. But you're like, all right, like, you know, like the coelacant, you kind of bit right. your hand, like... That's okay because you need those type of movies too, where there's science and it's Jack Arnold kind of thing. There's enough science in there that like I can buy this, but now there's the fantastical, and this is a lot of science. And it gets and Jack Arnold wrote uh, was one of the writers on the script. You know, it has enough fantastical, but but it's not like creature fantastical. It's not this whatever. Right. It's not a giant spider. It's not a whatever. Even tarantula, which people like, oh, it's about a giant bug. There's a lot of science leading up to it. It's about, it's about the guys trying to grow giant uh, fruit and vegetables and animals and stuff for, to, for, food. for food. Like, there's no bigger thing. We, we covered Food of the Gods. You know, H.G. Wells was talking about that stuff, you know, in the year, 1800s, yeah, 1800s. way before that. The idea of giant things for food. And that when we went and Food of the Gods, I mean, let's be very honest. Food of the Gods is much more, um, you know, a product of its times. It kind of you can when you watch that movie. It's very you. Can, if you didn't know that was the seventies, is because you don't right. know what the seventies look like. I mean, right. it, like it literally the guy just the just the the pants he's wearing <laughs> says nineteen seventies are on my pants, right? But that's what I'm saying. But it's a product of the time. This movie, and again, I know it's the fifties. This movie could have been the sixties. The cars give it away, right? If, right? if you take the cars out of it. The, the ideas here are not that different the, the, from the 50s, 60s, remake, 70s. They could remake this today. Today, yeah. And it would still be, it would still follow the science. Yeah. And the, if they don't know how to, how to uh, diffuse the, uh, the growth, I mean, you, they would have to go through the progression yeah, exactly. just like it was exactly. in this movie. So, as you can tell, folks, this is a movie that we both enjoy a lot. And it's a movie that is, is often overlooked. So, if you've never seen Monolith Monsters, well worth the time. Check it out. If you have the the, the Ultimate Collection, um, either the Volume 1 or the Volume 1 and 2 together, they do sell it as one big pack. I, I really think it's just Volume 1 and 2, and they just wrap it in plastic. Right. Um, I don't think they actually did any special thing to it. Uh, it's well worth checking out. If you have the Blu-ray, it's well worth watching. I have the Blu-ray. It's in it's in the pile of, uh, or it's in the book with all the Blu-rays at home. Um, so well worth your time. And hopefully, if you've never seen this, you give it a chance and you enjoy it. But it, did you see this? Have you seen it somewhere else? I mean, maybe you, probably first time you had seen it. it might have been on Svengoolie whenever it was on. I think this was on during the pandemic. It was definitely on the summertime because it was warm. But I don't remember yeah, if it was this, was, this summer or this or the, well, the summer. Well, it definitely before. wasn't on uh, uh, TCM. No, 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 they're, no. They're, this is this is straight Svengoolie. Yeah. yeah, because 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 well, what, well, 
because it's not it's it, it's not a it's not an A movie. Oh no, it's seventy seven minutes. Right, and it's yeah, and Sven he, it's, it's a two hour time slot. Two hour time flip. Yeah, fits and, perfectly. No cuts it, have to be made. There's no right. nudity, no swearing. Right. You know, nothing has to be cut out. The whole movie's there. He can do his 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 talking spots and whatever. Right. The only thing is, if you watch this movie uh, in, in with Sven Gulli. Yeah, but that it, might be it, the only people it, ever seen. I it know, then. but it ruins it ruins the actual continuity of I, the movie because when he when 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 you cut the movie at the at the point you're cutting it and you go back to this guy in in pancake makeup. Right, okay, I understand that, but yeah. I'm saying, but remember, this is how some people are exposed to older right. movies, and it then piques their interest to go look into them. I mean, he they show <clears throat> Abbott Costello meets Frankenstein more than any other movie on that cha- channel. They throw it all the time. Right. It is like their favorite because that episode gets the most views of any single episode they do all year, over and over and over again. Right? Why? Because everyone loves that episode from Meets Frankenstein. Right. And they've seen it. So some people are like, oh, I, I, I'll, they'll watch it on Spangoolie because it's just on. But there are other times they show movies that, uh, movies I've never seen. Right? It was, uh, what was it? The Undead or something like that is what the, the head was buried at the base of a tree. I don't know. I'm watching this thing going, okay, this is not worth the $18 for the Blu-ray. Because I'm watching this going, okay, this is boring. And like, and you can think like, well, this could be cut up. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. The movie's like, oh God, really, really, this is what's going on? Like, you know, kind of like it's just, but there's no, there's no interest to be peaked at all because there's nothing there. But like, I mean, they'll show like, you know, the Dracula and Frankenstein and those kind of things, the classics and, and Halloween time. But they got to fill in other things, and this is perfect at 77 minutes. No, this fits perfectly. But the reason, see, but what I'm trying to get at is when they're showing Dracula and Frankenstein, the Wolfman, or even Creature from the Black, they do Lagoon, the same thing. Yes, I know they do the same thing, but. You've seen this movie maybe twenty times okay. if you're a fan. No, let me right. finish. Let me finish. So you're watching it for the the scene in the movie that that you're like, like with Dracula, he's coming down and he says that he you hear the cry of the uh, the wolves and he goes, "What music they make?" I mean that to me is a classic scene. But in a movie that you've never seen like this, you're it's just gonna it's just gonna it's like passe. It's gonna go right above oh, you. Okay. And you're not gonna you're not gonna want to go and find it again, e- even if you have a streaming okay, service. But right, but that that's how you look at things. Not right. everyone does that. That's what I'm saying. That's because you literally own thousands of movies. I know people who own no movies. They own nothing. No. They don't want to own anything. They'll if it is if, if, like how can you watch it? Is it on Netflix? Oh, no, I can't watch it. They won't spend the time to go do it. So what I'm saying is if people catch it there, they might be interested enough to go check it out somewhere else. That's how you I, do it, Dad. Y- so. You would hope so. Well, I, I'm saying that's the possibility, but right. they, but not everyone has literally enough movies to keep them busy, whatever. Okay, so when the, the other day when there was no internet, cable, nothing, everything's down, right? I said, let's watch a movie. The girls are like, all right, what do you want to watch? And I said, let's watch a new one. So I pulled one of, I don't know, what, what, one of the new ones we had that just came out. It wasn't We were going to watch Snake Eyes and we watched something else. Because I have the Blu-ray. Put the, turn the Blu-ray player on. As long as we have power, right. the Blu-ray player works, right? And if we don't have power, we can use a portable one. But like the idea is that we put it on and we watch the movie. While everyone else is losing their minds. Because they have no internet, no cable, no right. nothing. Right? I'm like, I mean, it was annoying beyond belief. Because I'm literally trying to get stuff done, and I'm like, okay, so I can't do any of those things I need to. Like I was, yeah. you know, I had to go on and like, but I can't do those things right now. I'm gonna wait for them to fix the thing. But that's what I'm saying. Not everyone has that. Dad. Anyway, all right, folks. So um, that about wraps up Monolith Monsters. No, uh, obviously we are now in 2022, um, kicking off this year. We have a whole lot of stuff planned, um, all kinds of goodies along the way. 
But um, we normally can have our th- you know episode on the 13th and then our episodes on the 31st. The 31st was supposed to be Darkroom, but we're going to push that off because we're going to actually do a feedback episode about Kong 76. I know some of you are thinking, like, I sent that feedback in, like, August. And, like, yes. And we waited to do it because I, want, I had a lot of feedback about Kong 76. And we had other feedback to do. So we did the Thanksgiving feedback episode. And now I just want to focus just on Kong 76. So the end of this month, the end of January, we're going to talk about Kong 76 again, but this time based on your comments and uh, emails to the show. All right, folks. So that about does it for Monolith Monsters. Uh, Like I said, we'll be back with the Kong 76 feedback episode at the end of the month. Uh, So I'm assuming we're good, Dad, right? Yep. As I said in the beginning, this is a well-done literate uh, movie. It keeps you entertained and uh, throughout the picture. And when when you see the special effects, uh, they're not cheesy. So I heartily recommend uh, you know investing less than an hour and a half to see a movie that makes you think. Yeah. All right, folks. So um, so until, so keep like we say right here. Keep those cards and letters coming, and keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which, at this very moment, still prevails and could, at any time, lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi, folks. Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram... Find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Jacknetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work, and any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow.
you stop.